Hello everybody and welcome to the Rising Ecosystems podcast, a bi-weekly show that delves into the world of startups, innovation and the communities that surround them. I'm Alex Owen-Hunt, FTI's Global Markets Editor, and I'm joined by... Me, Jesse Ballot-Paris, a tech journalist and editor of Unleash, which is a new media platform covering the future of work. This is the fifth episode in our series exploring emerging entrepreneurial ecosystems across the UK. We actually started off by explaining why ecosystems matter and then took a look at Cambridge, Leeds and Glasgow. If you missed those episodes, please do subscribe to the FDI podcast. This will give you access to all the episodes to date, but also all of our other upcoming content. Now, before we move on to our next location, though, I just want to know, Alex, how are you doing? Well, Jesse, I think the lockdown fatigue is is setting in a little bit uh, as I sit in East London, uh, w- wanting to break out of my chains of my of my bedroom office. Um, but then again, I think this week we've had some good news. Things are moving in the right direction. You have children going back to school in the UK. Uh, nice to see a bit of buzz uh, around the place, albeit to the, in a COVID secure manner. Um, and I think there's really a sense of things are moving out of lockdown in the UK and and I'm certainly excited to return to the office. But how's everything going with you? I'm good. I'm good. And listen, kudos to all those working parents out there who've been homeschooling for the past few months and all those teachers that are, you know, welcoming children back in the classroom this week. For me personally, uh, I I think I feel that in the same way as you do. Um, I also just kind of am waiting and praying for the day that I can jump on a plane and hop back over to Spain so that I can see my family. So that's ultimately what keep, what's keeping me going. Certainly. Well, I hope I could hop on a Spain, uh, hop on a plane to Spain to get some sun. I think um, my palo is growing by the day. But hey ho! But this, of course, uh, this episode uh, is going to be covering our next ecosystem in the UK, and we're going to be focusing on Birmingham. Now, the other big news this week, of course, was International Women's Day, and for this episode exploring Birmingham, we have two prominent female members of the Birmingham community to walk us through what's happening on the ground and the exciting things in the startup scene. But Jesse, before we get into things, I know that you visited Birmingham a few years ago uh, for an event. I wonder what your impression was when your boots were on the ground, so to speak. Yeah, um, so I was up there to host a conference, which is called Canvas, and it happens every year. It's a product-focused conference, though, um, but I have to say it was a really good um, first look at the ecosystem from the ground. Uh, There was a lot of people, a lot of representatives there from big names such as Virgin Atlantic, National Express, City Mapper, and ultimately it just became very clear to me that there's a a very um, close-knit community. Uh, The tech and digital is really at the forefront of the city, But at the same time, you know, um, there's an increased competition when it comes to other hubs, whether that's London or further afield. Um, But there's innovation happening at pace. And I think that's really exciting. Certainly. And I'm sure we'll be covering some of those many topics that we've seen in our previous episodes, the likes of talent, funding, some of the challenges seen outside of major tech hubs across the UK. Now, to set the scene, I think it's worth highlighting a major data headline that paints a really positive picture of what's happening in Birmingham's Birmingham's startup scene. So a recent analysis of companies' data done by the Centre for Entrepreneurs found that over 18,000 startups were formed in Birmingham in 2020. Now, this means the city saw an increase of 26.8% in new business starts compared with the previous year. So clearly, there's some exciting things happening in Birmingham. And to find out more, we invited two prominent members of the community. 
Now, our first guest is Hilary Smith-Allen, who's a champion for Birmingham and the West Midlands, but in particular in the professional service sector. She is going to talk a lot around skills, diversity, inclusion, and innovation. And she certainly has a lot to say on local industrial strategy. So exciting things to come from Hillary. Yeah, and we also spoke to Melissa Snova, who's an award-winning entrepreneur. She's originally from New York and is the founder and CEO of Remedy Group, which pioneers 3D printing personalized health solutions across nutrition and medicine under the brands Nourish and Scripted. So great perspectives from both the public-private partnership as well as the private sector. And we also had some additional comments from Joff Walters, who's the head of no-code company M-Labs, on an exciting new scheme to bring up Birmingham's future generation of entrepreneurs. So all that to come. But as always, we started our conversation by asking our guests to walk us through how the Birmingham ecosystem got to where it is today. Um, super question. I think over time, you, you need to know your strengths. You need to know really clearly what you're good at and where your key assets are. And I think Birmingham and the wider West Midlands is has done that over a period of time it's taken that and it's been really consultative and you need to have the strong foundations in place between the public sector but the private sector particularly when you're talking about startups and and the ecosystem because it has to be private sector led but you have these key relationships that feed together and i'd also bring into that universities and higher education system because the research the frontier the the, the thought leadership that comes out of our major institutions is all part of that ideas generation and, and the spin outs and the working together. So I think that's a that's a critical part of how you get to where we are today is over a number of years of building that and working together. Um, if I think about other aspects of where we're strong or what we what we know we're good at, it's also thinking about that in terms of place. So yes, we're, the, we're Birmingham, the wider West Midlands, but we know where those strengths are in terms of the geographical strengths for gaming industry, really strong around Leamington Spa, the Silicon Spa badge, that we know the black country has this long standing tradition around materials, minerals, manufacturing, and that that's moving into this advanced manufacturing. And, and from a Birmingham perspective, you've got this core of, business and professional financial services and increasing life sciences. But the business and professional financial services is particularly interesting because not only is it a major employer in its own right, it is a third of our economy, but it also has an enabling function. So when you have a really strong advisory community, when you have a really strong financial services centre within your geography, then that has that enabling effect to support the growth and access to IP, to intelligence, um, and feeding feeding that whole merry-go-round of uh, a supportive environment. And in light of that supported environment, I'd love to hear the perspective of an entrepreneur on the ground. So, Melissa, I mean, can you please just briefly describe uh, the company that you run and, and sort of your experiences of the Birmingham ecosystem? Sure. Um, so our business is a tech company on multiple levels. So we have two factories here in Digbeth, Birmingham, where we build 3D printers, so hardware technology, um, and also develop material science around hydrocolloids. <laughs> and, and we use that technology in order to apply it to both preventative and curative health solutions under our brands Nourished and Scripted, which are personalized vitamins and personalized medicines. Um, we have gone from really 
I think we had four people in May of 2019. We now have over 70 people. Um, and our business um, has grown not just from a number of you know body counts in the room, but also from a sales perspective. So we are very much approaching the scale up phase, but we certainly did uh, start here. And a lot of people ask me, why Birmingham? And I always say, because <clears throat> Birmingham is the best place in the UK to have a business. But the reason um, that I feel like that is not just because... Um, because it was the first place that I landed. As you can hear in my voice, I'm American. I came over to the UK um, quite some time ago. I did um, my MBA in Lancaster, so I started way up in the north. And then I started my first company, um, my first FMCG company in Manchester. Then after that, I went to London and I lived in London for several years. And then I came to Birmingham in 2015 when I started my first 3D printing food business. And the reason I made that decision was very calculated. Within 10 miles of my office right now and my factory in Birmingham, I have uh, five universities that have 3D printing degree programs. That is super unique, not just in the UK in the world that is unique. And 3D printing is growing in interest and growing in the number of universities that are offering it. But that was five years ago that there was that many unis offering that. So we have a very successful relationship with all of the top universities in the area. And many of the people that come and work for us, even my CTO, my now C-suite technology officer came uh, through those graduate programs. On top of that, um, I think it's no surprise uh, Birmingham is much more affordable. So right now uh, we have two factories, we have around 30,000 square feet and I spend less on these two humongous buildings than I used to spend on a six man office in London a month. That's how big of a difference. So it's not like 25% difference, it's astronomically different. And we have a food production, so putting a factory in, in London would be economically irresponsible, no matter what. But in general, we have also found to be the general workforce availability to be extremely, extremely plentiful. We're hiring around five people a week across everything from manual labor, all the way up to like food technologists. And we have found amazing people all from the local area um, really quickly. And that's been a fantastic enabler of our continued growth. And then lastly, I think specifically Digbeth, where I am, is an incredibly creative area full of lots and lots of individual people. So sole traders, um, small startups, and even big, uh, very big companies like Adobe and, um, you know, the Codemasters, et cetera. And the environment is extremely collaborative. And we do tons of work with all of these other local businesses. And we find that whole thing and that all that energy to be extremely empowering, but also, you know, it just helps us feed the momentum of our own business. So we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I think what you say there about the opportunity to do what you want to do from the West Midlands is just so strong and really resonates with what I know about our professional services community, because the assumption is that it's a cost play, that you, you come to the West Midlands to, to benefit from, from that lower uh, price point, but therefore you are have a lower value offering. And it's absolutely the opposite of that. We know that in all of those large brands that have their centre and their offices in this region, that they're servicing the world as well as the national economy, the local economy. They're doing that bit for the wider regional growth, but you can service what you want 
and need to do from this centre because of its connectivity. So actually it becomes a quality of life proposition at that point, because if you can do your work anywhere, anytime, place still matters, you still have to come together. But why wouldn't you do that somewhere where it's better for your business? And I think COVID particularly is accelerating that point and it's a real opportunity for regional economies, particularly where you've got that international connectivity from the airports, from the, from the rail, however that is we're going to move in the future. But low cost does not mean low value and that's a, a, really strength, a real strength of our region. I totally agree with that, Hillary. And I also think that it's not about just saving costs, it's about being smart. So with all the money that we save on our actual building, we put that back into R&D. We've developed 12 patented technologies that are going to help us to continue to create a stronghold in the Midlands region, but the UK in general for the future innovation around these types of sectors. Um, and I think I would so much rather use that money to pay for more staff and give more people, great people, jobs than spend it on square footage. I think that's really um, just a decision as a CEO that I would make every single day forever. I guess also from my perspective as well, it kind of speaks um, to me in the sense that I've been covering like VC rounds for years, right? And I almost feel like in a way like entrepreneurs in London no disrespect to any entrepreneurs based in London, by the way. Um, but you are in a way caught up in the rat race. Like you have to fork out more funds in order to kind of pay for office space salaries and more expensive, et cetera. Um, and also there comes this increased pressure to have to actually raise venture capital, which is often something that the media is very guilty of um, in terms of celebrating. Um, so I think what you've both said, like really hits the nail on the head there. It's not just about cutting costs. It's actually about building businesses that are valuable whilst also doing it more efficiently, right? Um, so I think that's really interesting. But I also wanted to pick up on the kind of like talent landscape, which I know um, you touched on previously, Melissa. Um, you know, universities are such a huge um, and vital um, part of ecosystems when it comes to startup and job creation across the globe. What is it like to hire in Birmingham, but also what other territories are you actually targeting when it comes to talent? And, and does that even matter now that we're mostly all working from home? So, yeah, that's a great question. So we actually have... Um, we we do everything in house so a lot of people used to accuse me of being a control freak but now what it enables us to do is be so so good at scalability and growth because we we make all of our own production machines we code all of our own websites we do all of our own customer care we do all of our own marketing we do all of our own photography everything really so we hire for a humongous number of different jobs like every single day like right now i have 10 on the boards, so they're all for different departments. So I think the thing that I've been the most excited about is that you know we are able to access people, some like the factory and technology workers that have to be here, they have to come in. I can't let them have a CNC machine at their house, right? Like they have to come in here and use it. But at the same time, of course, we have the, we have the opportunity with COVID and you, you quite rightly touched on it to start looking anywhere in the world to a degree, couldn't you? I mean, really you could. And we always open up all of our uh, what we consider to be remote working possible jobs to the nation. But we have actually found that we have hired all of the most recent people for both sides of the business, all from the Westman's area. And that was not on purpose. It was because we were getting incredible 
talent coming through from those regions. But I think you touched on another point as to maybe why that happens more than you would expect, which is just like in VC, where you find a lot of a lot more companies from London get funded by VC. And we're in the middle of our series A and we're about to, you know, be able to announce that we are going to be funded by VC yet again after our seed round. But not many, not as many companies in this region are doing that route in growth, right? But one of the reasons that we think that Birmingham as a talent pool is more beneficial to us as a business is we stand out so much more here. We are not competing for coders from with Google and Facebook and whatever, every other company in London uh, or LA or wherever. We are literally one of the most exciting tech companies in Birmingham. And when we put a job on the boards, we get amazing people coming through. And I'm really proud that we've been able to set the right reputation out there that makes that possible. And I'm delighted that we're able to take, you know, all these new people in and, and give them good places to work. The big challenge, I think, particularly that I hear from our members and professional services community and why they are attracted and what they get from the region beyond the connectivity, thinking about the people is that access to diversity of thought, diversity in um, life experiences, diversity it, through ethnicity, through gender. Through whatever. We are a super diverse population by definition, which I understand to be over 180. You can access the world. And not only does that mean you're bringing in a greater uh, thought range into, into your design, into your business, but also you can test your products and your experiences and your services in a way, it's like a microcosm, right, for the world is Birmingham and the West Midlands. So if you are trying to build a globally relevant business, and this particularly plays out in like health science and med tech type aspects, because there are physical differences between communities, between the way cultures manifest and physical properties. And so if you can access there, like we've got with our Institute of Translational Medicine, as particularly you know, building on this super diverse population as an asset, but it's more than that. It's it's the skills and it's the thinking that come in. And how do we how do we harness this opportunity of growth through startups, through investment to really bring inclusive growth? So how does this recycle back into opportunities for our citizens and overall raise the 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 quality of life for the West Midlands. That's what we think about all the time. Totally agree with Hillary. We work really closely with the translational medicine department um, at the QE, and it's a fantastic experience. And the access we get is incredible, and it really helps us so much in all of our development. Fantastic. So some great institutes on the ground in Birmingham and the wider West Midlands region. I'm glad you touched on inclusive growth there, Hillary. Um, in fact, prior to this conversation we are recording now, I spoke to another member of the Birmingham community, Joff Walters, who's the co-founder of Million Labs and also the director of Silicon Canal, which is a not-for-profit community, community organization on a mission to grow the greater Birmingham tech ecosystem. He discussed a exciting new program called Super Tech Seeds, which aims to bring up the next generation of entrepreneurs in the region. This is what he had to say. Um, Super Tech Seeds is an interesting program in that it uses what is kind of a burgeoning trend in technology, which is the, the kind of advent of uh, no-code platforms. Um, so no-code platforms for the uninitiated are um, bits of software that allow somebody to produce their own application without any coding skills whatsoever. 
Um, and the the outcome of kind of a lot of investment in the past two to three years from major players into no-code platforms is that they're now kind of mature, so they can build software that's scalable and secure itself and um, and can be used for pretty much any use case. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that no-code is allowing people to build applications very cheaply, so somewhat about 10 times cheaper than traditional code and very quickly, uh, about 10 times quicker than traditional code. So the Supertech Seeds program uses that um, new wave of kind of no-code technology, and we are upskilling local people in developing their own applications, which takes us about um, 12 hours, uh, from no technical skills whatsoever to being able to build something and launch it, and it looks like you know they've spent hundreds of thousands of, of pounds on it. Um, and we're using that to enable, uh, really we're targeting startups, you know, our outcomes here are growth, startups, new firms, and jobs. Um, so we're trying to enable startups, um, but in that program we're also giving people tech skills they can take into, into the, the office, into work, um, and, um, you know, and we're also enabling local businesses to innovate and create technology they wouldn't have been able to create before. So it takes the form of a boot camp, you know, this 12-week boot camp where people come in and get upskilled, but the outcomes are, are brilliant for the local community. So we've touched on a lot of the strengths of the Birmingham ecosystem, and certainly, uh, Melissa, you've mentioned that you can perhaps shine uh, more brightly as an as a exciting startup than you would perhaps in, in London and other major tech hubs. But of course, with any ecosystem, there are there is always room for improvement um, to accelerate it to the next level. I wonder, Melissa, is, would, is there anywhere or any areas that you think Birmingham could improve on and what might be needed to, to bolster the, the exciting uh, activity in the ecosystem even further? That's a good question, Alex. I think um, for startups, I think the Birmingham ecosystem is very strong. I think there's not too many things I think that they could do better. There's no possibility of ever being perfect because startups by nature are so diverse, it's impossible to set out, you know, a support program that will help all of them, right? So I think what the government is looking at doing around supporting tech businesses is strong and they can be slightly more focused. But what I think could be done overall for Birmingham as an ecosystem is to remember that if these startups succeed and become scale-ups, they need different resources. And so our business is now moving into this sphere where I'm looking for you know, another humongous factory where I can triple my staff and triple my operation. And this I'm finding to be a huge issue. And one of the kind of risks I think we need to be aware of is if we foster all these lovely startups and give them a supportive environment and a fantastic access to resources and they do well, then where are they going to go when they go to scale-up phase if we don't have an equally supportive ecosystem of resources like premises and technology and scale-up funding and you know access to VC communities, et cetera, in the same way that we do around these brand new companies, these brand new startups. So that's something that I think could be done. Um, and I know there's individual LEPs, et cetera, but I also know our business has been looking for a new premises for almost four months, and we have really, really struggled. So I think I can't be the only one who's, who's struggling with things like that. It's interesting you say that we had a similar point made in our previous episode in Glasgow, where there's lots of 
resources and support for the ideation stage, lots of incubators. But then when, when startups are getting to that next level, thinking about going global, expanding, perhaps there, there is room for more resources in some of these nascent emergent ecosystems. I, I wonder, Hilary, did, did you have any other point to make in that? Are there any other areas you think Birmingham could maybe improve on or, or any response to what Melissa's just said? Um, not got a response, but I, I have a, a different angle. When you're outside of London, right, beyond the capital, you have an interesting dynamic with A, the capital, and B, your other regions and that sort of natural competitiveness. And I think where we're, where we're headed and where I think Supertech and the initiative around there trying to grow the Profitech cluster and do that from an outside of London perspective is you, you need a different relationship with the capital because it isn't a zero-sum game. It isn't a case of London has to lose for everywhere else to benefit. And that we need to have a, a maturity and a different way of working where London benefiting actually enables the growth of others. And then it's more of a gateway thing. And I think we're starting to see that with FinTech and the release of the FinTech reviews and, and, and law tech, et cetera. So as people move away from the city, as money moves away from the city, it creates space, but it's a gateway through. And how do we create that? How do we create that relationship? And you have to have in regions your real clear identity to know where you're playing. And I think that's what we're trying to do as Supertech is to, is to give that space and place to know who to partner with and to have that mature conversation because that will then feed the ecosystem and benefit the whole because... I think in the past, perhaps people can be a bit parochial in regions and it's, it has to be all about the West Midlands to, to grow the West Midlands. But there's more to it than that. We're part of a wider ecosystem and we're globally relevant. So why would we limit ourselves just to that aspiration? I totally agree with Hillary. I actually don't understand the whole like the North versus the Midlands versus the the London sector. When you think of the size of the United Kingdom overall, um, I think we should be playing more as a team, if I'm being honest, as opposed to, because we are in the size of our country comparatively up against competition from other countries. And we should focus together on how we build a strong ecosystem for the entire United Kingdom to have a strong economy um, across all of these different sectors. Um, and working together is key for that, I think. Definitely, and that's really part and parcel of what we're trying to do here, shining a spotlight on ecosystems outside of London. There's exciting technology and, and uh, highly scalable businesses all across the UK, uh, and certainly we'll be exploring many more of those ecosystems on this podcast. But Jesse, please, I know you had something to say, so, so go ahead. This is the problem. I always have something to say. <laughs> um, no, I think what you've both just said, like I, people obviously listening to this won't be able to see us, but I was literally nodding as you were talking. And I think <laughs> it makes total sense. Like there's so much focus as, on London as a capital city and it almost feels like it's always in detriment of what's going on elsewhere. And I know there's different, um, you know, different um, stakeholders that need to kind of come into play and work together in order for an ecosystem to thrive. But I wonder, from a government perspective, if you did have the opportunity to perhaps shape the way that policy is kind of rolled out from central government all across the UK, what would you like to see in terms of them trying to help them stimulate the, eco the ecosystem even further? Trust us. 
we <laughs> wrote a local industrial strategy. We know our strengths. We know our our core businesses and where the opportunities are around where future thinking and sometimes the way that the money actually flows doesn't always stand behind that. We'd like a little bit more control. It's hard, isn't it? We're a, we're a sizable economy over a was it hundred billion now, and yet we don't have the same powers over how to spend stuff compared to devolved countries. So you, you sometimes feel in England that you're the poor relation, yet you're a massive powerhouse within within the overall arching. Yeah, sometimes the narrative doesn't doesn't match the the realities. Um, I would speak more broadly to general fiscal policy that's coming out. Obviously, we have a humongous amount of debt to pay and bring the economy back after what has been an absolutely terrible time on so many levels and has absolutely destroyed sect whole sectors, right? So this is, I wouldn't want to have the job of Rishi Sunak, but I also really, really hope with all my heart that he doesn't destroy all of the incredible good that was done with all of the things like you know, capital gains relief, entrepreneurs relief, R&D relief, innovation relief, um, patent box. All of these things have made the UK such a wonderful place to create new inventions, to develop new businesses, to innovate. It's been attractive to new talent from all over the world and has made us really a world leader in our support of innovation-backed businesses. I really hope we don't undo any of that goodness and that we try and protect that because that is going to be what sees us through to a stronger future. That is going to be one of the foundations. So I really hope we, we can keep that going. It is the big worry, isn't it, that the the SME population, the, the beating heart of the regional economy is going to be so heavily debt burdened. Mm. And how how do they grow when they they were we have so many good businesses. They weren't these aren't bad businesses, these aren't zombie businesses, they were strong good businesses and now have taken debt in order to survive this past year. And it's not clear yet what what happens next. How how do how do you pivot that to being a, a return to growth to a recovery thing? And that that's a much bigger conversation than just the West Midlands. That that's a national mm. conversation and yeah. beyond, right? It definitely. But to bring the focus back to Birmingham and the West Midlands, um, certainly, you know, that debt burden has been built up uh, in large part um, by the furlough scheme, which has been a lifeline for startups across the UK and uh, as well as larger businesses. Uh, and I understand the super tech program is certainly going to be used as, as a means to, to really utilize the power and potential of technology to create new jobs and perhaps give people that have been on furlough or lost their jobs uh, a new opportunities. I'm going to bring back a few a comment from Joff, who mentioned this to me before our call. This is what he had to say. We are at a point in time where we have a lot of people that are redundant or have furloughed or um, because of the impact of COVID have um uh i want to have a, a change in their lifestyle right and 
we also live through a period of time at the moment where the capital available to invest into getting them back into work in one form or another is, is limited. So the reason that we focus down on using these kind of no-code tools, this, this uh, supercharging of, of the local community was, we'd, we've been testing this last year. We can see, we can create jobs really, really quickly. We can put people back into work really, really quickly. And if we can also create new firms and new opportunities, Birmingham will become a place where, you know, we're, we're fighting the kind of impact in the economy that we had last year faster than anywhere else, right? Um, so for us, it's a bit like a football, a football manager investing in the youth team. You know, we're investing in, in the youth team to try and create a strong squad for, you know, um, five years down the line. I think that's probably our biggest differentiator that we're creating for ourselves, right? Nobody else is anywhere close to us. Um, Supertech Seeds and the campaigns that we're building around it are capable of creating as many startups as Y Combinator or any of the biggest incubators in the world um, because we're using a new way of doing things. Uh, and that's fascinating for the UK economy, but it's fascinating for our local economy. So some very optimistic comments there from Joff Walters about the potential of the digital tech sector to drive the COVID recovery and provide job opportunities for people in Birmingham and the West Midlands. I wonder, Hilary, if you had anything to add to Joff's point about the super tech program and sort of the need to collaborate across the different tech segments within the Birmingham ecosystem. It's, I mean, it's really exciting because the, the conundrum of new prof techs, it be that fintech, be that law tech, whatever it is, but it's the same in med tech, but you, you need this combination of domain expertise and technology. Technology in itself is not enough. You have to know where you're applying it and where it's going to add value and disrupt and create new services, service innovation. So that's a really difficult combination. And it's what the national research bears out that you have to bring both together. So we've really been trying hard in Supertech to think about how you, how you can lower the barriers on one side of the fence. And if no code is one of those ways that it brings more applications to market quicker, faster, cheaper, that we can feed the top of the hopper, that there are more startups that go in there, then that's our partial way to a route to recovery, to supporting people who, are, who have all the domain knowledge, right? Or have an itch to scratch, but actually just couldn't afford it because technology can be quite prohibitive and it's risky. And I'm sure Melissa will testify, but starting a business is no mean feat. <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about how, um, you know, Hilary, you mentioned something earlier which kind of struck a chord with me and it was just how diverse, just how diverse Birmingham and the West Midlands in general are. Uh, are. But I wonder how that trickles down to kind of, um, you know, the kind of contribution that startups and, and other businesses in the space are helping to diversify the ecosystem and whether that's looking at gender or even, you know, definitely beyond gender um, and how that plays um, in Birmingham the Birmingham region and Midlands overall, like not just Birmingham, but in the Midlands, we have one of the most diverse populations um, in the UK, certainly. And what I think that does is I always find that I kind of forget about diversity because it's just, I don't, it, I take it for granted because how can it even be possible that it would not be 
you know, equal. It I doesn't really make sense to me. I have to remind myself that people have an issue with, with this and, and don't understand it to be granted. But in Birmingham, we have, we did our first like proper um, equal opportunity employer check the other day. And we found that we have more women than men in all departments. We have, we have people from 14 different ethnic um, backgrounds, which is amazing, um, and people from all different ages as well. So I think it's incredible that we didn't really try to do that on purpose. We're only a small startup. We're still really just trying to find the best people. And this has naturally come to us because we are picking from and choosing and getting people coming into us from a really diverse pool of people from all over and front with hugely diverse backgrounds. And when I ever think about it, I always think the more different types of people, viewpoints, perspectives, experiences that you can bring into any creative and innovative process, the faster you reach a positive result. So I'm really delighted by what that means for our talent pool today and for the future. I want to bring in the focus of part of this podcast series is really to look at how local ecosystem development aligns with broader economic development. And we've discussed that a lot in some sense, but I wonder how the local ecosystem development aligns with inward investment attraction. So I wonder if you could speak to the role of corporates and uh, inward investment attraction in relation to the startup ecosystem in Birmingham. The established business is a key anchor. You, you know, clusters don't just naturally form. They tend to have these large institutions and they are part of the rich fabric. You, you need all of these ingredients to come together. So startups are not enough. You, you also need the market there to be able to service that and for them to access. But what we find in new technologies, particularly with professional services, once again, that you, you need new ways of working together because the new entrance and technology-led innovation. It could be within the startup. It could be a corporate entrepreneurship piece, and it spins out in its own right. And we've got some examples of that within one of our law firms that created a, a product and a service line that's now spun out, and it's making revenue in a new way. So we're seeing all these different examples, and that feeds the rich tapestry. So they need that connectivity, be that with the startups to, to create new ideas, to bring into their own, to innovate their own services, but also to create new services in their own right. And it's just this rich fabric. So regionally embedded anchors are, are critical. And we're very lucky to have quite, quite a few of them in the region. I wonder, Melissa, have you interacted with any corporates in Birmingham and the West Midlands? Do you see them playing a prominent role within the ecosystem from your experience? Um, in my experience, specifically in my business and corporates in the West Midlands, not not really. Um, I have really found what Hillary and Jesse both touched on, which is we access the biggest global corporate entities in the world from here. So we work with some of the biggest company. I mean, really, I think one of the biggest companies in the world, and we do it all from Birmingham and um, I haven't had that much interaction with many companies specifically in Birmingham. So I don't know what that means, really. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I think really what we do find is more and more companies um, from the VC world. So actual venture capitalist funds from California, from New York, from all over the world are 
interested in investing in businesses in the Midlands. That's a, that's a conversation I've had multiple times recently. But as far as corporate entities uh, with their headquarters in the Midlands, I'm afraid I haven't had that much experience. The, the one thing I can add, and it's hard to remember this when you haven't really left your home office for the last year, but the corporate community is really strong. And um, usually when we host actual visitors, um, they get to meet business owners and, and our leading, our senior leader community. They always comment on how connected, how you can get seemingly competitors sat around the table and that this real sense of collective ownership and collective empowerment to want to change the better. And I think that's really in the fabric of the history of our region with Joseph Chamberlain and the ones that the forefathers that came before us, that sense of civic pride still permeates here. So even though we don't get to meet like we used to and balance canapes badly with some drinks and all of that good networking stuff, the community is holding out there. We're big, but we're small and you can see and know people and that real that real community to drive things forwards. I think that that's how you make something like Supertech come into fruition, right? If people don't care, if they don't actually want to make it better, then these just become ideas in their own right. So the fact that we've got so many corporate leaders as part of our leadership team, alongside the startup leaders, the, the new technology companies all shaping this vision is testament to that community spirit and that want to, to do its part and yeah, grow the future. I just have another question, actually, and it's something that you said earlier, Melissa, which was with that you'd been involved in the, um, you'd been based in Manchester and been based in London. And I keep asking people on this podcast every time and every episode, and I know comparisons are odious, but given your perspective and your experience in all those different hubs, how do you think Birmingham um, compares? So... I can wholeheartedly say that I, I enjoyed working in Manchester and London, but that Birmingham is the best by a country mile for a multitude of reasons. And maybe that's partially specific to the type of business that I'm running and the phase in which we are today. But I really, ha I would not have been able to achieve the success and growth that we've been able to achieve had we not been in Birmingham. I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that. Well, I think that is a perfect point to close this fascinating deep dive into the Birmingham startup ecosystem. Uh, thank you, Hilary and Melissa, for finding the time to join us on the show. I wonder, um, Melissa, you go first, if you both had just some, some closing thoughts for our listeners. Overall, I think the Midlands and Birmingham specifically are an incredible place for startup businesses and hopefully scale-up businesses too in the future. Um, the new innovation and technology um, implementations that they're putting in place will make it even stronger. And I would encourage anyone who's looking to start a new business or explore a new idea um, to look at Birmingham very seriously when they consider where they want to do that. Obviously, I echo everything Melissa just said. So well, well done, Melissa, there. <laughs> I think in the context of the year that we've all just had, you're left wondering what, what's the role of place, right, in any of this? And maybe we've been on a roller coaster ride about the future of the office and the, and the, and the future of home working, et cetera, and what's that, what's that going to mean when we all return to work and what does return to normal even look like? But time and time again, and you have conversations like this, people and place still matter. It's still 
bringing together all of those ingredients and that has to converge somewhere. And that might be slightly online, but we still have this anchor around the geography and bringing that all together. And we have that going in our favor at the moment, the connectivity, the physical connectivity and the opportunity to blend that with, with on the online community and what you can achieve through things like Super Tech Seeds, which is pivoted entirely to being an online incubator offering because that's the world we're in. But at the end of the day, it, it's still people and place. And we think the West Midlands is the place to do that. I love that people, place and purpose. So yeah, what an interesting conversation. And obviously keen to hear what you thought, Alex. But for me, the biggest thing was actually listening to Melissa talk about how origins in New York and how she decided to come to the UK and immerse herself first in Manchester in London, but ultimately set up base in Birmingham where she's building what seems like a really innovative business. Um, but also, you know, the fact that she said that she's got access to cheaper talent and cheaper uh, premises, but not in detriment of the quality of the business that she's building or the quality of the talent that she's acquired. Absolutely. And that, that's really why we're exploring these emerging ecosystems across the UK. Uh, they're great locations to start a business and grow a business. Uh, and, and on top of that, she did mention that she actually found that she was not competing for developers in the same way she would be in, in a hub like London, uh, where you have you know the likes of Google and Facebook that are vying for the same type of tech talent. Um, so that was particularly interesting. Another standout point with for me was we've seen we've heard it's sort of echoing points that were made in earlier episodes uh, such as Leeds and, and Glasgow where really the technology sector and digital tech sector has huge potential to create new jobs and certainly the super tech seeds program is is one that's going to be very exciting to see creating new jobs for people perhaps affected by the pandemic and and have found their traditional employment maybe dry up or thinking of adjusting their career paths moving forward so very exciting things happening in Birmingham. And that's another ecosystem ticked off the list, Jesse. But where are we going next? Oh, well, we're off to Belfast, aren't we? And I'm really excited to learn more about the ecosystem over there, mostly because I've only really covered it in the periphery in the past. And I'm really keen to find out exactly what's going on, what the opportunities are, but also the challenges that entrepreneurs and other people in the space are coming up against every single day. Certainly. And us at FDI Intelligence, we have an office and a data team in Belfast. So I know the fantastic talent that is out there uh, and certainly excited to explore more what's happening in that ecosystem. But to all those listening, thank you so much for making it this far in the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Please engage with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you want access to our previous episodes, as well as our upcoming content, please do subscribe to the FDI podcast on your preferred platform. But that's all from us for this week. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks time in Belfast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. 
The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley fletcher Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.